So welcome back to the Backroads Podcast. I'm Craig Spear, the Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. Bobby, so much to get to uh, on today's podcast, including a look at Division One, where everything pretty much just stayed status quo. But boy, that is not the case in Division Two. We had a barn burner going on between Cherokee and Richland Springs. Can't wait to talk about that. And speaking of Cherokee, we've got Coach Zach White joining us. But uh, let's get to it, Bobby. You are who? No. <laughs> I don't know anymore. I've traveled so much here lately. I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. <laughs> well, so much to get to as uh, we're we're getting so close to district for everybody and uh, can't wait to get there. But boy, we had a huge game Friday night between Cherokee and Richland Springs. We've got the head coach who probably got the biggest win of anybody in the state on Friday night. And that is Coach Zach White over at Cherokee. Coach, welcome in this afternoon. Thank you, sir. Uh, let's start right there because that's what everybody wants to hear about. Just talk about your victory over Richland Springs, 78 to 47. And uh, you and I were chatting before we got started here. You said well over 2,000 in attendance. Just talk about the atmosphere and getting to play in that game before you, you kind of let us know about the game itself. Well, when you're the little brother for so long, it, it, it means a lot more. They, uh, they've been beating us for a long time. And uh, we had a rich tradition. Uh, Coach Maddox did a great job for here for many, 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 many years. And he still makes me, uh, with the with the greatest kindness, makes me, uh, humbles me uh, at the cafe or something. I'll say, how do you beat this? And he'll uh, draw something on the back of my pizza box. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've been thinking about that for two weeks. And he draws it up. And it goes. we ran it about five times against recently. And that went for about 70 yards. So they have a great tradition. And. Uh, Friday night was just a culmination of uh, lots of hard work uh, by a lot of great kids. Well, let's talk about some of those kids. Joel Valdez, great game uh, through the air for you, 177 yards passing, five touchdowns, played well on defense as well, and then Gunner Ball running the ball for you. Talk about those two young men and their performance Friday night. Those kids are, I guess you'd call them our two uh, probably most skillful kids on the team. They are. Joel played an amazing game, really had a bounce back from last year. Uh, he played good last year, but uh, not to the level he was expecting. And this year, he, I think he only missed one ball. He was eight for nine or something uh, with five touchdowns. That's He uh, led the offense, ran it well, threw it beautifully. Uh, I think we scored with 30 seconds left in the first half on about a 52 or three-yard bomb. Got us down to the one or two, and we scored it. We punched it in. But he's a great fullback. Uh, you Not often do you see a spread back that's also the fullback. Um, he does a great job leading for Gunner, and Gunner is uh, matured so much as a running back. Uh, he used to be just a speed guy where you give it to him and say he hit the edge, and now he's finding the hole and finding the cutback, and he's a he's a great little player for us. I was also impressed. I was telling Craig earlier that I was impressed with Rhodes' leg. That boy can kick a, a football. Rhodey Ligon, he's a he's a he's a fun one. Uh, he was a soccer player. He he plays. I don't know what uh, soccer leagues or something. I said, you ought to be trying to be our kicker. And he said, okay, I'll try it. And here we are. He's can boot him. He makes field goals from the kickoff a couple times a game. And that's a big factor in six man, of course, the extra points. And he does a great job with that. He does. Uh, he's really tall to be a soccer player. Yeah, he's a, he's really tall for a lot of stuff. He's a bronc <laughs> rider and a bareback rider. And he's a, he's, He's been a summer in Wyoming riding bucking horses. He was out the first two games of last year, the first two games of last year, because he broke an arm up in Wyoming riding bucking horses. So he's got a, he's a pretty neat kid. 
he does sound very well-rounded. We talked off air and, uh, your journey to get here to be the six man coach at Cherokee is, is a bit amazing. Uh, you know, you were in uh, business for a while. Uh, then you got into it doing freshman football at Kingsville, ended up at Dalyon, and then at Cherokee. Talk about that transition going from being in the private sector as a business person to getting into coaching and then ending up in Cherokee, and especially in a big game like you had Friday night. I was in the oil and gas business, and that's so volatile, and I was starting a family, and I said, I got to have a little more something uh, that's a little more stable. Um, and I always love kids and love the game. And my wife told me when she married me, she goes, I don't want to be married to a preacher or a coach. And I, I messed her up on that one. So um, <laughs> I went to coaching school and was lucky enough to find an old Tarleton guy. And uh, AD was Robert Wilcox. He gave me a chance. And I didn't know anything. And they took me under the wing. And uh, first year, I was just an assistant freshman football coach. And then I was the uh, freshman coordinator. I had about 70 or 80 freshman football players playing for me and five or six coaches. So it, uh, I learned really fast on the fly. And then Deleon was a great experience. I was a basketball coach there for six years for David Yeager. We had a lot of great teams. Uh, got to coach his son. He plays at Incarnate Word now. He's a Division One quarterback. So that was I got to learn a lot of the spread stuff, uh, the concepts, the passing concepts. And, uh, and then uh, – my brother-in-law and sister-in-law lived here in Cherokee, and the opportunity came. They needed a coach, and I prayed about it, and I did not have a clue what six-man football was all about. And he said, you're coming. So I, here I am, and I've loved it ever since. Would I, you I, ever think about going back to 11-man? I don't know. It's tough. Um, for one, we're a four-day week. That's amazing. And then for two, I'm the head football and basketball coach. Uh, I get to kind of – not be in control, but I get to have a say on what goes on on most of the program. I do have a great track coach, Alan Barrio, but um, so I, I do enjoy the six man atmosphere and I love getting to build uh, a little stronger bonds with the kids. So I do enjoy six man for sure. So that brings up a great, great question. Do you feel like you're a better football or basketball coach? I don't know. People ask me that and basketball is more natural. I played in college and my grandpa started point guard at Baylor. I, my biggest fan, my 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 man, Judge. I, I think it's football is not as natural to me, so I coach the little things a little better. Uh, basketball, I say, I'll go make a jumper, and I, yes, I teach it, but it's not as intricate, I guess, as football would be. And I do enjoy football. There's a lot more on the line. Uh, this is the state of Texas, um, so if you're going to be a coach, you, you got to be a football coach. If you're going to have all the, I don't know what the. I guess it, there's a little more Friday night lights is a little better than a basketball gym sometimes. <laughs> so talk about the six man community. Cause you've been in the bigger schools. Now you talked about having that many players out. What have you found in a small school like Cherokee that you just can't get in a bigger school? Uh, you get a, a, a deeper relationship with a kid. You get to know about their grandma if they're sick or you get to know why they weren't here at practice or where they went for their summer vacation. I mean, it's everything. So you you have a lot more background. And so your coaching can be a little more pointed. Uh, it can be a little um, more individualized towards the kid. And you can actually help them grow a little bit. Now they do get to see you a lot more, too. I mean, you got to make sure you're doing your job and being a good role model. And uh, I do enjoy that. And I take pride in that. 
So let me ask you something. So you guys pull off this big victory over Richland Springs. A lot of talk coming into the season about Cherokee was going to be a good team. So I don't know that it was necessarily a surprise, but anytime you you take out Richland Springs, first time they've lost in district since 2001, that gets people to talking. As a coach, how do you move forward with your team and make sure that they're they're looking uh, at the opponent in front of them and not thinking back to what happened? Correct. Uh, well, I put it in the scouting report. Uh, win or lose, it doesn't. The season's not over after you beat Richmond Springs. It did feel different the last couple of weeks. We than the last couple of years. The last couple of years, I think we had a shot. We think we had a shot, but this year we thought we thought if we didn't do it, it was our fault. And uh, we played them tight the last two years. I think it's two hundred twenty-nine to two hundred twenty-one in the last three years. Wow. Cherokee's up. So, and they had some really good teams the last couple of years. We played them tight, 84-81. That's a heartbreaker. Missed some kicks. Uh, last year, my uh, probably my best overall athlete, Joey Bond. He's a two-time state champion in the shot put and discus. Mm-hmm. He broke a femur, the fourth play of the first scrimmage. So, we were uh, we were without his uh, services in football last year, and it, it really hurt. Uh, but we were up 16 with a minute to go in the first half against Richland. And uh, so, the kids, it hurt. I mean, it's been on their mind and in the weight room every day of the summer. And we've had the same core for three or four years now. And so they've they've seen the hurt. And I was so glad that they got to experience the joy. The joy is a really great thing, especially for kids who've tried for so long. And one thing I noticed when I was at the game is that Cherokee looked to be very team oriented and they fed off of each other, but they had, it looked like they had a mission and they were out to accomplish that mission and nothing was going to stop them. Correct. No, we, we worked way too hard for, uh, I think for them to beat us that night for sure. Um, and they, they were, they had some turmoil this, this year. Everybody acknowledges that, but, uh, we've, we've been there. It's been the same guys for four years and it's going to be the same four in the next four that we're here Thursday night on the JV game. Or junior high game. Um, that group did uh, call every time out and 45 was at halftime when they were junior high guys. So, I mean, it was that was the same group of kids that was on the field four years ago or five years ago and uh, that beat them this Friday night. So I'm, I'm really proud of those guys. Tell us what you expect for the rest of district. I know that uh, Rochelle's been doing pretty good. Uh, when do you have them and what? how do you expect to, to handle that game? Uh, we have a bye this week. Uh, Rochelle and Richland actually play, so we'll get to go get a up close and personal look at that. Uh, Rochelle plays us tough for whatever reason. They they uh, they play up to play us, and uh, they're not a bad at, bad team at all. They have some skilled kids, pretty good size, uh, good numbers, great numbers. Um, so they give us they give us their best shot every year. Um, I think we two years ago we only beat them by four, so it's usually a pretty tight game. We do have them at our place, so that ought to help us a little bit. And, uh, like you said, these seniors are on a mission. They, we've got five of them. Uh, Matthew Gass is one that uh, kind of came out of nowhere this year, and he's really making a hand. He had an interception the uh, last Friday night against Richland. Uh, had some great tackles. He's uh, So five seniors, it matters a little more. It definitely does. The, uh, the rest of the year, we try not to look too far ahead. I mean, you, of course you do a little bit, but you're just focused on one week at a time and taking care of that one. I bet it'll be nice to have a week off after that last game. Yes, ma'am. It was it was a little stressful. 
great win Friday night. Best of luck to your Indians moving forward. I have a sneaking suspicion. We're going to talk about the Cherokee Indians deep into the playoffs, but best of luck uh, for your Indians moving forward and best of luck to you. Thank you so much. Man, Bobby, what a great interview with Coach White there and his Cherokee Indians was such a big win Friday night over Richland Springs. Oh, yeah, it was a great game. Um, so many people. There were a lot of people at that game. It kind of gave me playoff vibes. Well, playoff vibes are right around the corner. So let's kind of break that one down real quick, uh, what we didn't go through in the interview. Cherokee takes out Richland Springs 78-47. to Gunner Baugh, you got to be a good football player. If your name is Gunner Baugh, you have to be a good football player. You just have to be. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, 11 carries, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. Joel Valdez, man, he did some great work there. Eight of nine, 177 yards through the air and five scores. Also 79 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. He also had 10 tackles, and uh, he helped Coach Zach White uh, pack up the bus on their way back home. Uh, for Richland Springs, Braxton Etheridge, 21 carries, 178 yards and five touchdowns. 14 to 24 through the air and 152. No touchdowns, though. Uh, that's a lot of yards with no touchdowns. And Jaden Sutherland, six receptions. Four eighty-three yards for the Cowboys, and this game, Bobby. When you look at it, you know Richland Springs takes opening kickoff back for a touchdown, and you go, "Okay, well here we go." Cherokee marches right back down, gets a touchdown. They get the ball back, get another touchdown, and they kind of holding that. But then here comes Richland Springs late in the second half. They tie it up. Uh, Braxton Etheridge does, but Cherokee. I mean, they did not stop. They did not take their foot off the uh, Cowboys' throat. They throw a deep ball, get it down uh, deep into Richland Springs territory and cash in and do what I like to call the double-double. So they had the opening kickoff to start the second half. They get the last touchdown in the first half. They get a touchdown in to start the second half. And that really gave them the cushion that they needed uh, to pull this victory out. It really did. And uh, I got to say, uh, big number one for Cherokee. That boy has a leg, let me tell you. <laughs> They did. There was no messing around with with those little pooch kicks. Nope. Uh, he would kick that thing, and three different times it went through the uprights. Wow. Cherokee had a very good game plan, and they stuck with it, and they just silently went to work, kept up with that the whole game. Well, a big win there for Cherokee. Cherokee ranked number five in the state. Uh, Richland Springs number four. Of course, we use the sixmanfootball.com rankings. There's Texas football rankings out there. There's our good buddy down in Knox City, six-man fan. There's his rankings. But we use sixmanfootball.com. That, that's one we'll go with this week. So Cherokee five, Richland Springs four. So let's look at the rest of Division two and another big matchup that was going on Thursday night. Benjamin and Paducah and the number one ranked Benjamin Mustangs all over Paducah, 68 to 19. This game was over, Bobby, midway through the first quarter. Yeah, it really was. I expected uh, Paducah to have a little better showing and maybe it was nerves or, you know, first district game, always a little nervous going into that because you know that it counts and it's important. So I was, I was a little surprised at that, but you know, the Mustangs, they keep right on rolling. They do. Uh, no no uh, stats for Benjamin. I know for Paducah, Joshua Gonzalez, 15 carries for 170 yards and a touchdown. Number two, Balmeray was open, so Coach Jones enjoyed his weekend off. So number three, Lorraine, uh, in a tight one, they defeat O'Donnell 50-42. to Davian Waffle, 23 carries, 227 yards and three touchdowns. 
Jadrian Lamones, five of nine, 92 and two touchdowns. And for the Screaming Eagles, Caden Hernandez, 117 yards on the ground, three scores. And Martin Beza, nine of 15, 113 and a touchdown. This game's probably closer than most people think, but A.J. Williams, I'm assuming, did not play in this because I did not see his, his name in the stats. No, he did not play. He is still out. Hopefully, Lorraine gets him back here in the next week or two. That's it. Uh, but you know, the Screaming Eagles, they they held on. Even without AJ Williams, Lorraine is pretty salty. Uh so I was I was a little surprised at that, but uh a shout out to the Screaming Eagles. Wow, they really held their own Friday night. That they did. Uh, number six, Whit Harold took on Hart and they win that one 54 to 8. Uh, Shamadrick Weaver, 150 yards on the ground, four scores, a 30-yard reception touchdown. And Jaron Ellard, five of seven, 68 yards passing and two touchdowns. Wood Harold just keeps on rolling there with Coach Jeremy Holt. We gave him a little good luck having him on the show last week. Number seven, Silverton, the Owls, no problem with LaFour, 63-13, to 13, uh, as well as Jayton takes uh, takes out the uh, previously unbeaten Aspermont Hornets, 51-16. to 16. And then finishing up Division Two, Sanderson in a close one. They take out the Vaqueros of Sierra Blanca, fifty-two to forty-four. So with that loss with Richmond Springs, I'm sure we'll see a little bit of a shakeup in the standings. And uh, but uh, our top ten for the most part seems to be pretty locked in there in Division Two. They sure are. Well, speaking of locked in, that's where Division One is, and uh, everybody in the top ten winners this week. We'll start with May. They're at number one now. Them and Abbott, one, two, two, one. I don't know that it really matters at this point in the season. Both of them are really good. Uh, but right now, the Tigers hold the number one spot. They defeat Avant 60 to nothing. Damian Salinas, he only carried the ball three times, but he scored all three times and gained 90 yards in the process. He also had seven tackles and Braden Steele. I think the coach might know him. Two carries, 30 yards and a touchdown, six tackles and an INT there for the Tigers. Uh, Abbott all over Aquila, 48 to nothing. Riley Sestala, the sophomore, 181 181 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. He also had a 30-yard receiving touchdown and seven and a half tackles. Uh, and for Aquila, Hagen Williams, 12 carries for 48 yards, seven of 16 through the air, and another 47 yards. As that Panther defense, you like to call them spider monkeys, and they definitely took it to the Cougars in this one. Garden City over Grady, 70 to 20. Logan Seidenberger, six of eight, 111 yards and two touchdowns. Didn't row. Good to see him back on the field. 75 yards rushing on only two carries, two touchdowns. What the heck? Why not? Owen Seidenberger, 49 yards receiving and two touchdowns in that one as well. Number four, Rankin all over the Sands Mustangs, 56 to 8. Number five, Westbrook. They take out Highland 50 to nothing. Grayson Jeffrey, 98 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Brandon Larson, 70 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Parker Matlock. Uh, very efficient, 5 of 8, 91 yards uh, passing and a touchdown and five and a half tackles for Highland. The lone highlight, Cooper Bowen, nine carries for 15 yards. The one note I will take out of this one, and uh, Cedric Ware was out. He got injured in their last game, and he did not play in this one. So uh, don't know how severe that injury is. I would imagine if it was real severe, we'd have heard something, but hopefully he can get back out there. One of the best to play uh, six-man football. Definitely want to see Cedric back on the field, and I know the Wildcats will welcome him back with open arms. Yeah, so so would about 131 other teams. In, <laughs> I in agree. Football. 
<laughs> That's true. Yeah. Number six, Erion County. They get the victory this week. Oh, yeah, they were open. Well, it's a pretty easy uh, win there for Coach Kofil. But Erion uh, County open. Number seven, Happy, took on uh, previously undefeated McLean in the uh, Cowboys. No problems with McLean. They win this one a 58-6. to Trice Johnson, 171 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. Kite and Johnson, two receiving touchdowns and a pick six. And, uh, you know, I called this game. I will tell you, McLean has got some effort in them. They're not a bad team. They're missing their two best players due to injury. One of them most likely out for the rest of the season. So that hurts. But, uh, you know, the Tigers might make some noise as that number two team out of District 1-1-A in Division One. Uh, looking at other scores here, Jonesboro over Lamita, 57-8. Coach Gallegos' team just keeps right on rolling. Knox City, no problem with Forestburg, 65 to nothing. Caleb Arietta, 100 yards rushing and four scores. Bryson Callaway uh, only had to complete uh, 79 yards on three receptions, two of those going for touchdowns. They held Forestburg two. that's right, one, two, three, four total yards in the game. And then Gordon all over Gorman, 62 to 14. And that rounds out the top 10. Everybody winners and really everybody big winners in Division One. That's true. You know, I when I looked across the games that were happening in week seven, I thought, well, you know, these are pretty good matchups. And I think they're probably going to come out like everybody thinks. And, and boy, were we correct. We, we definitely were. I, I think what we saw was a lot of matchups of teams that we still had questions about playing established teams. And you just you wondered how they would fare in this one. And let's be honest, the established teams, for the most part, uh, did their damage this week. They did. But, you know, like some of them, like O'Donnell, you know, they came in hot and heavy and almost got it done. They did. Well, let's look at scores uh, around the rest of the state. Those that we've got some news and notes on. Union Hill over Goldberg, 70 to 18. Daniel Dunn, uh, seven carries for 88 yards and two touchdowns. And this stat just amazes me. I, I had to look at it a couple of different times, Bobby. He didn't have one, not two, not three, four fumble recoveries. How do you do that? He was in the right place at the right time that entire game. His folks should have taken him to Las Vegas as soon as the game was over with and bet on red or black because he was going to hit it if you get four fumble recoveries in one ball game. I'm uh, telling good, you. Good to see Jake Bass back out there. He had six carries for 114 yards and four touchdowns as well as the Bulldogs continue to roll. Van Horn all over Fort Hancock, 66-6. to six. Aaron Sparks, six carries, 112 yards and a touchdown, also a 45-yard receiving touchdown. And Jared Arizate, 62 yards on the ground and a touchdown and nine tackles there for the Eagles. Uh, Valley over White Deer, 58-13. to 13. Hey, be very quiet, Bobby, but Valley's slowly getting healthy, and uh, they're going to make noise in Region 1. I just I feel it in my bones. Uh, I think they are. I, I'm right there with you, and we've talked about this over and over and over. Valley may have lost some. You know, good kids at the beginning of the season, but by the time we get to district, guess what? Here come the Patriots. What a fun district, too. Valley, Knox City, Spur. One of those teams is staying home. I know. I know. Oof. It's kind of become like uh, District 7 in Division 1 with Rankin, Borden County, and Garden City. Exactly. I mean, Nobody's staying home. Yeah, it, and it's going to be a sad, sad day. <laughs> 
It definitely will. Uh, other scores across the state, uh, Bluffdale and a barn burner over Newcastle, 86 to 78. Ford, the Bobcats, Ty Strawbridge, 195 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Isaac King is running buddy, 171 yards rushing and two touchdowns. King also just had 19 tackles. He said, what the heck? And that's what he did. But, uh, man, the Bobcats, you knew the Bobcats were going to be winners in this one. And uh, Bluffdale wins it 86 to 78. That's a a dad joke if I ever heard one. But let's stop for just a second. It is. But you know what? I'm going to go ahead and allow that. Because it was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, our new photographer, Michael Leal, was at that game. And so I wanted to give him a shout out. He enjoyed it. He said it was a very good game. And and he really had a good time there. Oh, that's great. Any, any game like that in six man, you know, is going to be good. So uh, two, two solid opponents there. And Bluffdale comes out with the win in the end. Ira over Rotan, 70 to 24. Here's another really close one for you. And I thought it would be. Whiteface over Spring Lake Earth, 50 to 44. And, uh, man, there's just, it seems like we got a lot of teams, the Whitefaces, the Spring Lake Earth, the Cresses of the world, where you go, you better show up to play them or they're going to beat you. And when they're playing each other, it just makes for some really good ball games. Oh, totally agree. Because you never know when those three that you just uh, suggested are going to just jump up and get you. But, yeah, you can't not prepare for those no doubt uh other scores to look at uh nazareth all over miami 53 to 8 uh Kroll, no problem with harold 61 to nothing uh how about this one menard beats robert lee the steers undefeated going into this ball game but menard wins it 64 to 38 joel guerrero 286 yards rushing on only 11 carries, five of those going for touchdowns. Wyatt Terrell had nine tackles, and uh, Braden Sherwood, I don't know that he got out of bed the next morning. 35 carries for the Steers, only able to gain 136 yards and three touchdowns, but you want to talk about uh, putting the offense on your back. 35 carries is a lot in a ball game. It is, and, you know, this is Menard's first foray into six-man. And beating Robert Lee, who's been doing pretty good this season, um, that's that's a good sign that they may make the playoffs. We'll see about that, though. Definitely. Well, you know, every year we have at least one of these games. We'll see how many we have end up with this year. But Morgan takes out Iredale, one hundred seven to eighty two. The, the always the fun part about this, and I tell people who've never been to a six man game, and the score reaches over a hundred. It's really weird because you'll look up and the scoreboard at the end said 82 to 7 Iredell. Oh, yeah, there's only two digits on the scoreboard, not three. Right. They just need to go ahead and make a six man uh, <laughs> scoreboard. That way we can put those 100 point scores up there. Exactly. Well, uh, for the Morgan Eagles, EJ Ovilus, I think the coach might know him, 15 of 21, 231 yards, eight passing touchdowns in this ballgame. He carried the ball for another 167 yards and another four touchdowns, and he had 11 tackles in the ball game. And he said, Dad, I'll just coach too because uh, there's no need for you to be standing on the sidelines. I got it right now. (laughs) (laughs) And then my favorite man, uh, Rico Suave, otherwise known as Adrian Vera Rico, 98 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, 132 yards receiving, two touchdowns, and 10 tackles. And Ovilus and Vera Rico there were a two-man wrecking uh, crew for the Morgan Eagles. 
Other games going on, Rochelle over Lone, 64 to nothing. And I know you have one heck of a note on this one. I do, and it's coming up in Lehman Six Man 101, so I want to save it till then because it's pretty special. Keep that one in mind right there. But I do want to say something about Rochelle because guess who they get next week? I think that would be Richland Springs, wouldn't it? I believe so, and they get them at home. Interesting. Well, that that, that will be interesting, and... Other games, uh, McDade over Noasis Canyon, 59 to 39. Spur over Wellman Union, 79 to 12. Spur, Coach Clark had five backs with 35 plus yards rushing, and they only needed 13 plays to garner 79 points on the scoreboard. Uh, Motley County over Guthrie, 70 to 16. Keep going through here. A close one. Grand Falls Royalty knocks out Dell City, 44 to 29. Hermley. Coach Winters, he gets up a win over uh, Coach DeLeon and Roby, 64-46. to 46. Uh, Other scores out there, uh, Blum in a close one takes out Covington, a 46-39. to 39. Bryson and Lingleville said, hey, that's not close enough. We're going to play one even closer. Bryson wins it, 48-46. to 46. And uh, that kind of wraps up uh, some of the uh, scores and stuff that we've got going on out there. And so... When you look at this, Bobby, and and I kind of figured it up, so we went into uh, week seven with eight undefeated teams in Division One, and with six undefeated teams in Division Two. Well, we lost two on each side in Division One. McLean fell, as well as Robert Lee. So that leaves us with six undefeated teams: Gordon, Union Hill, and Abbott, all there in Region Three, in Erion County, May, and Medina in Region Four, and then for Division Two. Uh, we went from six to four. Aspermont fell from the ranks of the unbeaten, as well as Richland Springs. So that leaves you with Sanderson at six, and uh, Sanderson, Benjamin, Oglesby, and Cherokee, all with undefeated records. I, I got to be honest with you: only ten teams undefeated at this point in the season. That seems really, really low. Well, I think it is, but there's a lot of parity this year. We've seen it week in and week out. Sometimes you just never know who's going to pop up and win a game. You're right there. And, and I do think we see more and more also the top teams playing each other. So, you know, a lot of these top teams sitting there with one loss because they've lost to, to another top 10 team. So I do think that definitely plays into it. You know, those guys and hey, kudos to them, to the to those that are really ranked high when you're coming into the season, knowing that you've got a good program, taking on those other top teams. Yeah, you could go out and schedule these teams and win a bunch of uh, 45-point mercy rules at halftime, but you and I both know when you get to the playoffs, that does you no good. No, it doesn't. And uh, one thing I've always been very impressed with are these Division II teams that play nothing but Division I in the you know pre-district. And you know that is helping out their teams, especially if those teams are ranked. Uh Jayton is a good example. So is Balmeray. Um, you know, and I know there's several other Division II schools who have used, who have really used the pre-district schedule to up their game, get really good competition, and get better and better. So when they do face those really tough Division II teams, they're going to be ready. That they definitely are. Well, hot off the press, uh, Mike over at sixmanfootball.com has already got the rankings up for this week. So we'll go through those real fast. 
No change in Division One. May, Abbott, Garden City, Rankin, Westbrook, Erion County, Happy, Jonesboro, Knox City, and Gordon. That is your top 10 hot off the press. Division Two, though, we knew there'd be a shakeup. Benjamin still hangs on to the top spot, followed by Balmeray, then Cherokee, all the way up to number three now, followed by Lorraine, Whitherell, Silverton, Jaden, Paducah, Richardson Springs falls to nine, Klondike at 10, and you talked about Richardson Springs. They get Rochelle, who is number 13 in the rankings, uh, coming up uh, this week. So uh, some uh, changing of the guard there in Division Two after that uh, win for Cherokee. But, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Mike over at sixmanfootball.com. Our, our best to Mike. He, for anybody who follows the website, they know we all go there, and we probably pound on the website more than normal human beings should. But uh, he lost his dad a couple of weeks ago, and that really delayed the rankings and the scores and what have you. And, and honestly – Taking care of family was number one. And, and you know, I, what I really liked is I never saw anybody on the forums saying anything at all. Mike finally got things updated once he kind of sort of got life back together. But, uh, you know, that that's good because it is the Bible of six-man football, but life is just more important sometimes. You're right. Family definitely comes first, as as we both know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I, I I've talked to... Um, Mike a few times and uh, you know he's a really good guy and he he has his hands full with that forum um, we might as well talk about that just a little bit uh, anytime you want to hear the scuttlebutt in the six-man community you know you just go right to the forums uh, sometimes you have to wade through some of the stuff and and you know and one of the unfortunate things is sometimes adults say things um, that they shouldn't about kids on those forums. And um, the unfortunate part is kids read those forums. They're not just for adults. Everybody reads those forums. It's out in the public. So if you're an adult, we all get passionate about things, especially our six-man football teams. Just keep in mind that a kid's going to read that sometime and, and make sure that you kind of temper your words definitely and, and well, that's my message for this week <laughs> well and, and i would i would add to that bobby i think we all have to be careful not to make assumptions on young men that are on the field especially in the heat of battle um, i think they they do things and and may come across in one way which really does not describe who they are uh, but they get caught up in battle and and sometimes things happen and unless you know that individual personally I don't think any of us have the right to speak on another human being if we've never met them and 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 really got to know them because we're just making assumptions. And you and I both know what making assumptions does. Oh, I know exactly what that does. And um, thank goodness I'm a little older because <laughs> I pay attention to that nowadays. <laughs> oh, but, you know, we're we're all a part of the same six man football um, community and. Basically, small towns all run the same way. We all know that. We've all lived in small towns. We know how it is. And we keep going back because we love it, because it's family-oriented, because you're part of a real community. So, you know, community gets out of whack sometimes. Just a, just a friendly reminder to all of you out there listening. Remember, stay positive, and good things will come to you. No doubt there. Well, let's move on. Let's go on to our additional notes here. And uh, 
let's go. Uh, we'll kind of go at this a little bit backwards from what you sent me, Bobby. But let's start with cross country as uh, we've got uh, results and season poll number three up there. I'll go through the poll and then let you give some results out there. So uh, at the uh, 1A regular season poll, number three came out from CCCAT, the Cross Country Coaches Association of Texas. For the girls' side, McMullen County on top now, followed by Spring Lake Earth, who has the best uh, cross country runner in the state. Roby, Nazareth, Jaden, Miller Grove, Buena Vista, Marfa, Claude, and O'Donnell rounds out the girls' top ten. On the boys' side, Saltillo at the top, followed by Slidell, Jaden, McMullen County, Miller Grove, Sands, Fayetteville, Erion County, Eula, and Comstock. So that's regular season poll number three. District uh, races are coming up all over the state this week. A few of them already ran, and I know you've got results for those. I do. I have results for District 17 and District 32. But before I start that, you know, the uh, district certification deadline is next Saturday. So six days away. So most of these are going to be running this week. Let's see. I do know that District 26, which has uh, Milford in that district, they ran Wednesday, October 5th. I haven't been unable to get the results for that. However, uh, Coach Cervantes at Milford has said he will get the cross-country coach to send them to me. So I'm just waiting on them very patiently. But in the meantime... District 17 and 32, uh, I have their results for District 32. Guess who comes in first in the team results going to region is McMullen County, San Isidro, San Perlita gets third. So those three teams will be advancing to uh, region four. And here's a scary thought. You know, we talk about Isaiah Billingsley, Brandon Passman. You remember those names in conjunction with cross country. Well, number one at District 32 was another Billingsley. But this time, it's a female. Her name is Isabella Billingsley. Sound familiar? (laughs) Potentially there. (laughs) Yes, and uh, she ran... A 12 minute 49, two miles, and she came in first. And again, she's a freshman, so expect to hear that name. Remember it, Isabella Billingsley. And then, um, actually, I have to give a shout out to Gary Billingsley. I'm going to assume that's her father, <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, he, they have a cool saying at McMullen. There are, the town is Tilden. So it's Tilden, McMullen County, and they have a logo which is Run TMC. For all of these, those under 30, you may not know what that is. <laughs> uh, it's a play on Run DMC. If you haven't figured that out by now, I'm going to go ahead and be Captain Obvious. Uh, but he sent me a shirt, and it's the neatest shirt. It says Run TMC, Believe, Trust, Do. Very that good. Is- yeah, it and is. A, and a great reference there to run DMC, a great rap album in the 80s. But that oh. definitely ages you and I. <laughs> oh, so much. But, you know, it doesn't seem like we keep from saying things every single week that age us. So, but well, anyways, I, I, I guarantee if we if we say the songs, it's tricky or my Adidas, 
There might be some young kids out there who go, oh, that's what they're talking about. Yeah, maybe so. But I'm not going to sing. You go right ahead if you want to. Let's not. We don't want to run, run the audience off. <laughs> okay. Well, on the boys' side, of course, the three top teams going to region, number one, McMullen County, number two, San Perlita, and number three, Lacera. Cool thing. Sophomore Jose Ventura from Lasara won that district with a 1644. And this is the coolest thing ever. He is the first ever district champion in cross country for Lucera. That's awesome. So congratulations, Jose, and keep up the good work. Over in District 17, and this includes Cherokee, Rachel Springs, Brooklyn, Rochelle, you know, that area. Seems like we that's the theme this week. We're coming back to them. The girls' teams that are going to advance to region are Cherokee, Richland Springs, and Brooksmith. Riley Eckert from Richland Springs won District 17 with a time of 1329. On the boys' side, there was only one team that qualified, and that was Lamita. First place went to Eric Perez of Lamita, and he ran a time of 1941. If you're out there listening, and you have results or know where they are, I can assure you I am scouring websites looking for district results. But sometimes they just don't put them out there. Um, I'm going to do a top 10 prior to the region region running of cross country, but I can't do that successfully if I don't have the results. So shout out to everybody out there who's going to help me, right? Exactly. So coaches, we know they listen. Yeah. Get us the cross-country results. Even if you don't do cross-country, hunt down the cross-country coach. Get those results and send them in to us so we can get those famous spreadsheets that Bobby Brown puts <laughs> together out on the 1A website. Maybe more like infamous. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move to volleyball. The October 5th poll is up, and uh, Fayetteville still at the top at number one, followed by Blum, very best, Chester, Klondike. Netches, Don City, St. Joe, Rochelle, and Richards. Benjamin falls out of the top 10. They move from uh, number 8 to number 13. So Richards, you heard that, jumps in there. They take uh, the number 10 spot. And I know uh, volleyball note here for you. And Rochelle, uh, you're right. It just seems to be that district's thing this week. Uh, Kara Cox over at Roche Rochelle served a straight 25 points with 14 aces. A total of 20 aces in the entire match. That's amazing. Incredible. <laughs> Crazy. They beat Lamita 25-6, 25-0, and 25-2. You serve 25 straight points. You just need to come off the court, put some ice on your shoulder, and say, I'm done for the day. And I don't think she even did that. I mean, that's that's an incredible feat. Uh, so shout out to Kara Cox over at Rochelle. We're very proud of you. Keep up the good work. Let's move from volleyball now, and let's go to uh, something that uh, you like to get out there that doesn't get a lot of play a lot of times, and that is band. And you've got a note up, and I am just, I'm really curious for the answer on this one because I don't have a clue. So 1A band competes to go to state in odd number of years. I don't know why did, where did we ever go from competing every year to competing every other year i have no idea because when i was in high school again aging myself <laughs> you went you competed for it every single year i don't know how that works uh for 
banned now that, you know, I mean, it's been happening for a while now where 1A goes, uh, competes for state every odd numbered year. But I'm not really sure. I think they go to contests still. I think it's just to see where they are, like a, a marching a festival or something. But I'm not real sure on that. And I've searched everywhere looking and I found almost nothing. Somewhere out there, if you know what's happening with band as far as because we're in an even year, let me know. Help a girl out. Send me some information to Texas1A fan at gmail.com. No doubt there. And then uh, you've got, I love this because I've seen this video. Sometimes things happen and it's just not in a varsity game and we got to talk about them because it can happen in a junior high or JV game. And <laughs> this one occurred uh, in Blackwell and they had a lot of fun. And I'm going to let you tell the good folks about it. Yes, and uh, there's a video of it. I We received a video that was straight on, and it was um, at halftime of the Blackwell JV game, the junior high cheerleaders were cheering, and they were going to do a dance. Well, it seems that one of the refs got the dancing bug and got right there in the middle of the junior high cheerleaders and started dancing, doing the dance with them. Uh, I did find out the ref's name, Coach Kelly Andrus. Uh, I believe he's girls softball coach at Sweetwater. Um, he joined in and he also commented on the video and he said, it took me a little bit to get with the girls timing, but I finally went to the ground on the turns. <laughs> But he was getting after it, and he was having a good time, and everybody was laughing, and it was enjoyable. So it's funny when things like that happen, and I love to see it. So we have a video. If you were up in the crow's nest or you sent that video to the Texas 1A Fan Instagram, please contact us and let us know if we can use your video. And then we'll put it out on the Backroads webpage at whatafan.com lots of fun things going on if you catch those things let us i mean let's get it out there let's you know those are the cool things about uh, being in such small schools is the things that can go on and the fun that we can have we, we want to show those things off definitely do okay so now we come to lehman's six man 101 and he took the baton and he ran with it <laughs> we're talking 800 meters with this one we're going back to Rochelle because three six-man football records were broken Friday in Rochelle's 64-point win over Lone. Sean Estes, he's a senior from Rochelle, had 23 receptions. 14 was the previous record. Wow. Nine receiving touchdowns. The previous record was seven. Wow. And 334 yards receiving. He beat the previous record by one yard. That's crazy. It is crazy. But Sean Estes was on fire, and whoever was throwing him that ball, they, they threw it a lot. Yes, they did. <laughs> well, we know for a fact that they uh, had at least 23 uh, completions, nine touchdowns, and 334 yards passing just by themselves. Just passing. That doesn't even count anything else. Can you imagine? Exactly. Oh, but 
I did want to give a shout out to the previous record holders. Uh, the previous receptions in a game was held by Saul. G I am going to slaughter this. Gian. He yep. is from. He played at three way, not the three way we have now, but the three way that was in Maple, Texas, that uh, the school closed. But he set that previous record. That record has stood since 1985. Wow! So 2022, Sean Estes holds that one. Receiving yards in a game, Trevor Dean from Leverage Chapel in the 2008 versus Walnut Springs, and he only had 12 catches. And then receiving touchdowns in a game was held by Nick Godfrey of Aspermont. Uh, he set that record back in 2016 in their game against Rule in week nine. So, Sean, we are very proud of you. Keep it up. Um, I'm curious to see how much they're going to throw it against Richland Springs this coming Friday. It will be interesting. And if nothing else, uh, you got something on tape that another team's got to go, okay, we got to stop this. How are you, you going to stop it? I mean, 23 times. 20, <laughs> that's, that's just the catches. Wow. I mean, that's insane. That definitely is insane. <laughs> Some other super cool stats because Lehman is awesome at these things. Um, he gave me the current top two holders for receptions in a season. Uh, the two holders are Jared Brooks, Grand Falls Royalty, 2016. He did this in 13 games, and he had a total of 94. Now, this next one is going to catch your attention. Ray Hughes from Paint Creek, 1954, had 91 in just 10 games. Wow. That's amazing. It is amazing. Because there's only a few degrees of separation, and Lehman loves to point those out. <laughs> we talked about three-way at Maple, Texas. That's now closed. NFL Hall of Famer Don Maynard played six-man at three-way Maple, Texas as a freshman. Um, I don't know if you know who that is. He was the Jets wide receiver. And then another little degree of separation with paint creek in 1954 paint creek was coached by jc o'neill jc o'neill played for the tcu horn frogs and he also played for the chicago rockets in the nfl in 1946 and 1947 seasons lehman also loves his little side stories and he said that he was told at some point that O'Neill could hold a quarter in his hand and bend it with his thumb. Sure, I can do that too. Not? I was going to say, get you a quarter. i got to see that, Craig. <laughs> Another note for 1954, since that seems to be a very popular year, uh, is that follow, uh, the following very large schools were six-man. Copper's Cove, Pflugerville, Allen, and Friendswood. And they played schools like Garwood, Westminster. I feel like I'm in Great Britain. Uh, Briggs and Flat. And none of those schools have been around for decades. So we had a handful that are now 5 and 6A and a handful that closed. One thing that Lehman would like for me to ask, um, he is looking for something very dil diligently and he needs everyone's help. He would like to get scores from 
closed schools, Ireland, Texas, and Nome, Texas, N-O-M-E, Texas. Uh, they played in the late 30s and early 40s. So if you have any information about those two schools, please let Lehman know. And you can just email texas one fan at gmail.com and I'll get that information to him. So that's um, Ireland, Texas, not the country, but right. the town. And Nome, Texas, not Nome, Alaska. Correct. That is correct. That's awesome. Well, again, congratulations to Sean Estes of Rochelle. Three six-man records in one game. That is completely impressive. And, you know, as you're going back through here, I'll add this Lehman six-man one-on-one. I do a a, a story column for uh, Press Pass Sports up here in the Panhandle every Sunday. And I decided to look back at six-man land back in 2001, which was the last time Richland Springs had lost a district game. Uh, way back in October of 2001. So I looked at the landscape up here, and it is amazing how much things have changed in only 21 years. Uh, for one, when you look at it, there were only 16 districts back then, Bobby. That was just 21 years ago, only 16 districts. Now we have what amounts to 64 districts when you look at it. Uh, everybody was in one classification that was six-man. 1A was actually 11-man football. They truly called it six-man. And um, Whit Harrell won the state title that year. They beat who else? Richland Springs for the state title. I thought that was kind of uh, ironic there. Uh, but it was interesting, too. We talk about it. Uh, Higgins was playing. They're no longer in existence. Sam Norwood was playing up here. They're no longer in existence. Fort Elliott was playing. They still exist, but they don't play football. And then you've got towns like White Deer and Nazareth, Will Dorado and Claude that have joined the spectrum in uh, six-man football. So in 21 years, the number of changes is incredible. And you just go, where are we at in another 20 years? Right. Uh, it changes so much. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story. That's how I met Lehman because he had put out a like a trivia question and he asked in this area, which would be, you know, this general area, which eight schools have closed and no longer, uh, no longer operating that uh, you may have played. And so I got seven of the eight, correct. And, so, <laughs> and he was really, really impressed with that. And so we've been great friends ever since. <laughs> See, uh, now, trivia questions get you in trouble, Bobby. You become uh, friends with Lehman. I know. I know. No, Lehman's a great guy. You just got to know him. He's he's one of a kind, and he's the six-man historian. And so if you have a kid you think has broken a record, ask Lehman. He'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, he's got it, and, and then some. <laughs> yes, and he'll get it back to you in about 4.2 seconds. And then if you want to visit with him for a while, talk to him about the uh, 1919 Chicago Black Sox. He loves talking about that. He does. He does. Well, Bobby, that's going to wrap it up for us here. A recap of week seven, week eight coming up at us. A lot of schools going to be on bye week. A few big games out there. Groom at Silverton, that likely will decide that district title. Garden City at Borden County. And then obviously we talked about Richland Springs at Rochelle. But until next Sunday, that's going to wrap it up for us. I'm Craig Spear with Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Remember, go forward and do good. <laughs>